Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. On today's episode, we're reflecting on my discussion with my friend, Kerry Oberbrunner. He's an author, speaker, coach, entrepreneur. He helps businesses and people unlock their potential. Really, he helps people write books and launch businesses around them. And I also speak regularly at his conference. I did that only a few weeks ago called Igniting Souls, One Fired Up Group. This was a different conference, of course, because it was virtual. Few people in the room, mostly people watching. But it was a great opportunity to interview him and talk about his new book and his work, Unhackable. The idea is that everything's trying to grab your attention. Everything's trying to take over your mind. You think about software and hackers. Hackers will hack into a system and they take it over. Sometimes they take it over for years before you even know it. And his thought was many, many times we allow people, circumstances, news, social media, anything to literally hack us. And it has become worse and worse. Now, I think about it this way in my book, The Book of Mistakes, before you even begin your success journey, I say, readiness is when your desire is greater than your distraction. And that's because distractions to me are that idea of being hacked. And that's not new. It's not new that we have distractions. It's not new that people are trying to hack us. But I think what is new in this day is the intensity, the number of times that people are trying to hack you, or even the cleverness of how whole industries are set up in order to hack you and take you and steal your attention and literally steal you away from what you could be doing because you have moved away into something that they've taken you off. They've really hacked you. So I found it to be a very fascinating conversation. And we have a great panel here to kind of reflect on being hacked and all the things that Carrie was talking about. We have Tammy Spade. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you. Tammy's an expert in, what shall we say this week? Probably marketing this week. Marketing this week. Tammy's an expert in marketing. So from the P words, positioning and all of those kind of things. We have Drew, we always say operations because that's a very broad term. It does. And I've learned from Tammy that if I say I want something new, I might get it. So I'm, I'm quite happy. Operations. <laughs> I'm good. No more work. And then we also have a new guest with us today, Lisa Beatty. Lisa, welcome to Aim Higher. She's an expert in executive leadership development. So all things personal development to help you be the very best you can be at work and in life. We're glad to have you here. And what a perfect topic to bring you in for. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're glad to have you. So why don't we start with this idea of being hacked? I'm sure that nobody on the panel has ever had this experience of maybe opening up an app and finding yourself being pulled into it for an hour and 15 minutes and realizing, what in the world am I doing on this app? That's never happened to anybody here, has it? I love it. You I love lo being I love hacked. I, I, well, no, 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 not being hacked. But sometimes going down the internet rabbit hole can be um, fascinating where you find yourself just link after link after link. And you're like, how did I get to reading these Led Zeppelin song lyrics all of a sudden? Why? why did, I didn't mean to do this. 
So it can be nice. So you're finding a very positive experience about being hacked. There's serendipity, almost like when you're wandering in the library or a bookstore and you spend hours there and find yourself gazing at a book and reading something that you never would have. So it's nice when Drew starts out with a positive. Hey, mm-hmm. Somebody you know, woke up. And, I went did for, you sleep well or I, you slept well? I went for a run this morning. Oh, you went for your yeah, annual run. Excellent. Annual. Is it semi-annual Same now? Annual. <laughs> They're mean. It's a mean podcast. Yeah. <laughs> As he drinks a milkshake. <laughs> it's Diet Coke. Scrolling it's Diet can, Coke for the, for the record. Scrolling can be very soothing. Yeah, I agree with that. So what we're saying as a panel's note, we reject the premise of being hacked. We like it. No, we like no, to no. be hacked. What struck me the way he explained it in the interview was, are you aware? So it's one thing to say, you know what? I'm toast at work. I need to binge on Netflix all night. Fine. If you're doing it on purpose, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. If you lose that it's happening to you, if you turn around and say, wow, I just I just completely lost this entire weekend. I didn't mean to. I think that was the, that was the part that really resonated with me. If purposeful. You're not aware. Purposeful. Right. The other point that he made was having a body as a system and brain as computer. And it's like having too many windows open on your laptop. You have all this information coming at you, and it starts to drain your energy. And I was astounded at the number of decisions that we're actually making in a day. 35,000, I think, was the number. You know, everything from am I going to turn this way or this way? Am I going to eat this or that? Am I going to wear this or that? Decisions that we probably make without necessarily thinking about them, but that do use a lot of our energy. And many times it's to tap in and, oh, I'm going to click on social media or whatever. And it's using your energy in some ways. You know, it strikes me from an organizational perspective when we think about being hacked. Years ago, when the internet was first coming out and then it was arriving on phones eventually, there was this sense of corporate protectionism over keeping you out of Facebook or news sites or whatever because there was a sense of, we can't allow employees to look at this because then they won't do anything. They'll be sitting there all day just reading nonsense. Do you remember those days? I do. And now we market ourselves on those platforms. Now we use them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because how times have changed and work and home life have just combined. But there was a sense of, no, we're trying to protect you from being hacked in the sense that Carrie's using it so that your workday doesn't just drift away. How is that manifesting itself today? Do we as leaders, while we realize the silliness of those days, I said it right from the beginning, and I remember going to my IT people saying, open this all up immediately. This is ridiculous. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I said, this is not the way I'm going to run this. They even limited blogs, I remember, at one company. You couldn't get to uh, blogs. I'm like, "Um, I have a blog. (laughs) Yeah. But what about... Other ways we may do that. Do we try to – because there's a positive too, right? The, the intent was positive. The intent was positive. How do we help guide our teams so that they're unhacked? What's the leader's role in making sure that the team isn't hacked? And that can come even internally, right? Some department steps in and says, we want you to do this. And all of a sudden, your whole team, instead of doing what you needed to do, is now hijacked going off to something else. How do you deal with that as leaders? I'm curious. One of the ways we've dealt with it is to plan for specific things we want to accomplish in a period of time, a quarter, a year, whatever, but also leave some contingency so that we know that when unexpected things happen, and they will, 
we have some bandwidth for doing that. Now, that sounds very neat and tidy and like it works just beautifully. We know that it doesn't. We know that, you know, things are unpredictable and we move forward. But I think having a plan and working that plan and not giving yourself 100% utilization in that plan is one way to do it. Something else that Carrie talked about was do it, delegate it, dump it, delay it as options for maybe simpler things. And he makes the point you shouldn't delay it because then it's out there. It's spinning. And I think that's another way that on just a daily basis, you can do that. I love those Ds. That was very good information. And you know what strikes me on that little side note down a little rabbit hole is the speed at which you can do that makes an enormous difference as a leader. One of the things I notice is I'm very quick at processing email to do exactly those things. I delete it. I delay it. I, I don't delay anything. I just move on. And I encourage people to act on it. The worst case of hacking to me is email. When you allow your email to build up to such a degree, I actually can look at someone's email and know how successful they are right now. If I go up and look at your email and you have hundreds of unread messages, I know I can judge your effectiveness and it's not a good picture. You know, some jobs that's okay, actually. For some people, the email can build up, et cetera. But most jobs in a professional environment, that is not okay. It means I am not in control of my day and myself. I remember one person, one executive just happened to have the laptop open and I glanced over and I saw tens of thousands yeah. of emails unopened in the inbox. And that was fatal because I said, this person cannot lead if you cannot lead yourself. You can't lead your inbox. You can't lead a team. How's that for a quote? <laughs> what do you think about that? Little side rabbit hole, but what do you think about that? I absolutely, I run my life through email practically. I, it would make me a nervous wreck. I worked with somebody at a consulting firm once and I, I happened to glance at his, you know, we were sitting there together talking about work or whatever. I glanced at his phone and he had 7,000 unopened emails. And I just said, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I were you. Like it would, that would drive me insane. Can't handle it. Yeah, just delete them, put them into yeah. a, put a rule together. So you start, right. Unsubscribe. There's, like, no, <laughs> there's no reason anyone can explain to me that makes that okay. No, no. Me either. I'm definitely of the opinion that tight, you know, inbox management is a good solid practice. Different people, though, work in different ways. And so it makes me wonder Some if... Some people work the wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way, <laughs> maybe. And it makes me wonder if there's something underlying. So it's not just an inbox issue. It's a delegation issue or a control issue. or a, So I would be interested in learning more from that person, this mess that's happening here. Does that feel like a mess to them or not? And if not, why not? What's causing that? and working at what's beneath that, that I we love can solve. that because what's what's beneath it is key. And I, I think as you re read those Ds again, what were those Ds? Those Ds are do it, delegate it, dump it, delay it. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me there'd be a systemic issue. And email's just one difference. Now, of course, later on, we're going to talk about generations. We talk about generations in different podcasts. And as we think about generations, they may have it manifest differently than email. Right. So that's also an interesting topic. Anyway, right. that's just a little rabbit hole. But going back to some of the things about hacking and being hacked, I just want to read some of the statistics from Carrie's great book on hackable. He says smartphones are hacking us. And I think this is amazing that people touch their phones on average 2,617 times a day. I hit that by lunch, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it says heavy users 5,427 times. So half of those are less than 30 seconds. Multitasking is hacking us, he says. Multitasking is a myth because the brain can only do 
one thing at a time. I think some people think that's only limited to a sex, and that is not true. It is a problem. Well, maybe it is true. I don't know. but Different episode. Different episode. Yeah. According to, to Forbes, multitasking with electronic media caused a greater decrease in IQ than smoking pot. That's also a different episode, I think. <laughs> social media is hacking us. So we spend more than two hours a day on social media and unplanned time. Streaming videos are hacking us. 11 billion hours are spent watching videos on Netflix every month. Advertisements, we see an average of 5,000 ads a day. And I love this one because I've studied decision fatigue and we mentioned it earlier. Decision fatigue, he says, is hacking us. Cornell University researchers discovered the average person makes 226.7 food decisions a day. So Tammy was mentioning the 35,000 decisions, but we make that number of food decisions a day. So you just don't eat enough. I Visibly, I clearly do. 220, that's what it says. Fake news. It's Cornell University. Uh, you know, who knows? So it is interesting that we get hacked in various ways. What steps can you use to guard against being hacked? What do you use personally? Oh, I'm feeling very convicted <laughs> about my hackability, actually. But I did watch The Social Dilemma. I had seen that, and Carrie mentioned that in the podcast that it existed. I've seen but it that now, he had too. Heavy, it's a, yeah. Yes, interesting. And so turning off notifications can be really helpful because that notification makes you want to get into that app to understand what is it that's in there that is important you know, for you to be notified about. So turning those off can be really helpful or just deleting apps from your phone altogether. Those are a couple of things that I've done for ones that have been particularly pulling for me during the day. Good tips. Yeah, yeah I put my phone in a drawer. On, on the weekend, you know, I might look at it a couple times and just to make sure there's nothing, no emergency, but mm. just get it away from me. Read, you know, get, get a, I still like physical books. I want to read and be just absorbed in Immersed. that, you know, and just get out of the day-to-day grind. I like the do not disturb function on the iPhone where mm. it just sets it off for certain hours. And I use that as well. I don't, promise not to look all during those hours, but at least I have it on. Well, the dopamine hit is hard to fight. Mm -hmm. It's hard to fight um, that, oh, I got a new email. Oh, I got a Facebook notification. Oh, look at that. I wonder what's going on on LinkedIn. I mean, it's that's a tough thing to go against. He makes that point, too, that technology is really designed to be addictive. And yeah, I think we've all we've all had that experience. One of the things that I think we need to do maybe on a bigger scale is think about where our strengths are. And Carrie talks about that, playing to your strengths and really getting in touch with what you love and what you're good at and what you're uniquely bringing maybe to a team or into your leadership role and not playing in the areas that you're not as strong in and letting someone else do that so that you can use that energy to bring your superpowers and your strengths to the team. The other one that really did speak to me was delay it because sometimes I'll mark something to go back and look at. Well, maybe I want to look at that a little bit more. And once you do that, you know, with the number of emails and notifications and messages that are coming in a day, at the end of the day, you might have a dozen of those. And it's just exhausting to go back and really look at them. So I think the don't delay is a really, for me anyway, a really good marker. It's very important. And it links back to really the purpose of being unhackable. So I think we should go back to that because the book really isn't about how you're being hacked, but it's about really you and your purpose. So Carrie calls it a boon. He takes that, of course, from famous story language of Joseph Campbell. But the boon, 
right? If you're going out to all these efforts, you're trying to stop getting hacked, you must have a really solid reason for it. You must have a purpose. So the boon is your deepest desire, your greatest ache, your truest longing. How do leaders help team members tap into that feeling at work? And can you have a boon in a large organization or working in another organization? Or is Carrie only talking to solo entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who own their own company to have a boon? Because you want to be unhackable so that you can really meet your purpose. What are your thoughts on that? I think you've got to have it in a corporate setting. I think it's your mission and your values. I mean, it says to you, why do we do what we do? You get to a point where, you know, you're not just coming to work for a paycheck. You can get a paycheck a lot of different places. Why are we here? Why do I, why do I spend my time and my energy at this place? And what are we trying to do as a team and as a group? You, you have to have it. I think so too. And team purpose and team boom and, and being in it and being in it for each other. I think we're seeing more and more people interested in the purpose. I think we're seeing the next generation come up, if you look at the Z generation, of, as really what is the purpose beyond simply going to work. So they're interested in social justice, and they're interested in the environment, and they're interested in the good that the company and the organization can do in the community instead of simply we're manufacturing widgets at X dollars and selling them for X plus. It's a very interesting time. Yeah. How do leaders help people tap into that feeling and that boon? I think one of the ways they do it sometimes is through, you know, formal assessments, understanding what does that person love to do and then how does that fit into the team. Carrie talks about, you know, being in a situation where three or four hours go by and it felt like five minutes because of what you were doing, you were in your zone. And what you were doing was something that you loved doing, either as part of a team or you were doing it individually. And really helping people uncover that. I love his descriptions of deepest ache and truest longing. And I think you can find those in a corporate environment, in an organizational environment, just as much as you can find them in personal pursuits. I think a leader has really no hope of helping their employee with that if they aren't willing to really connect with them and be vulnerable and open with them. So... If I spend time getting to know the members of my team, what's important to them, how have they grown up and how has that shaped their value set, then I know a little bit more about how could I guide or ask more questions to help this person really identify what it is that their true passion and purpose is. And then I, as a leader, know that about them that I can then use in things that I'm delegating to them. I know that I want to give this one to this person because they're really passionate about X and, and that's where they want to take their career. But we have to be willing to spend the time to connect and be open with the people on our team. And that takes time. So that's hard. And especially in this distanced environment that we have today. Absolutely. Or not give them something that would be demotivating exactly. if, if you do on the, mm -hmm. on the flip side. Sure. I, and that deep knowledge of people. It's hard for leaders sometimes not only to do that, but to have the tools and equip themselves with the ability to do that while staying in an appropriate zone as well. So you want to really get to know them, but you don't want to be too familiar, but you want to be familiar enough, which I think is uh, certainly a leadership challenge. Well, and that was the point in the, in the interview you did with him, with Kerry, where he mentioned the mentor on the hero's journey. And then mm -hmm. when he said the words Morpheus, Gandalf, and Yoda – you can imagine my, I mean, I could, I thought I, about I you. sat up, I, this guy is awesome. I thought of, I, oh, thought I wrote of, down, I wrote down three more ideas. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. The mentor uh, aspect of it, I think is extremely important. 
I also like this, and you can imagine I did, in the part of his book where he's talking about victimhood as a way of getting hacked, that we allow ourselves to be a victim. We allow ourselves to be victimized. We allow ourselves to believe that we're victims. He says it means that we lie in bed, which means we are filled with blame, excuses, and denial. And to get out of that, of course, he says, is this or, the sense of ownership and responsibility and accountability. I love it. You know, I talk about accountability all of the time, that you have to do what you say you're going to do. You cannot be a victim if you want to be successful. You want to be a victor, not a victim. So what role does a leader have in helping people either realize that they're in bed, blame, denial, excuses, or encouraging a whole culture of accountability? And how do you best go about doing that? He talks about signs of hacking and things like losing control or clarity or competence and confidence, and it goes on down. I think you can flip that and talk to someone who you might think is in bed as a victim and say, all right, well, let's talk about what kind of control you have over this situation. Let's get clear about what the issue is. Because I think sometimes when we're in a victim mentality, and we've probably all been there at a certain point, we exaggerate, things seem worse than they are. We use a lot of I am, I can't statements. And so I think helping people reframe that is something that can help them get their mindset into more of an ownership, accountability, responsibility. When we get ourselves into that victim mindset, we start to look for things that justify our position on that, which is another way I think that social media hacks us because then we're only getting streams of information that support our viewpoint. So as a leader, helping that person understand a different perspective than the one that they currently have. Skip, you talk about this all the time, you know, doing your very best to understand what is the position of the other side of this conversation, this conflict that's happening. Because when you put yourself in someone else's shoes, it gives you a different look at what's happening. And okay, so now I understand the situation better and I can take different steps to work myself out of it. Maybe it's not what I thought it was and I can move forward. I think one of the other things we've talked about as a leadership team is also just resisting the urge as a leader to come to the rescue Mm -hmm. too, which can be real tough because then you're just reinforcing victim, 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 here I come to save you. Don't worry, I'll get it all figured out. And really just talk about how are we going to figure this out, but not necessarily I'm going to figure it out for you. And that is a very important point, I think, in victimhood, is that leaders think, oh, I have to come to the rescue. And there's that famous drama triangle I talk about a lot, persecutor, rescuer, and victim. And leaders often think, I naturally need to be the rescuer in this situation to save you from the persecutor and the victims there. And it reinforces these roles. These roles happen all the time. They can shift. You can move from victim to persecutor. You can move, et cetera. But it's very dangerous. And I think leaders are the ones, and leaders doesn't mean title, doesn't mean at the top of an organization. Leaders are the people who do this. Leaders are the one who say, let us step back and give some perspective and show you the dynamics of what's going on. Because as I do that and put the mirror up to you in this organization, I'm now able to reflect and see things. And that's the way I can then change behavior. Because I can't change someone's behavior. But if I can put a good 
mirror up and say, here's the dynamic, and I think this is happening. I might be wrong. Right? They might say, well, actually, this is going on. Or the, but once you get that on the table, all of a sudden, the leader's able to move the team to a breakthrough moment to say, I didn't realize when she did that, it was having this impact on me, and I was you know, automatically doing this. And it's that moment of catching yourself, right? And catching yourself and saying, wait a minute, we are in victimhood. I'm also part of the cause of this. How do I help us move beyond that? Really, really important part of leadership. I just want to lastly touch on team energy. And that is energy. He talks about this a lot about allocating your attention. And, you know, Drew, you were talking earlier where if you're all day work and you're deliberately binge watching Netflix, you know, that's, that's different because, but you're managing your energy there. Right. It's purposeful. Yeah. Right. Purposeful. So energy is allocating your attention. That was literally allocating it. Now, if you do it all day long, every day, that would be a problem. But some people will say, you know, they're dragged, they're drained, they're depleted. And the leader is the one that directs their energy. First, they direct their self-energy. You can't lead other people unless you're leading yourself. And then they direct and be very deliberate about the team energy. And where's the team spending its energy? And it's something I'm always conscious of. You'll see me in meetings sometimes cut things off. And I don't mean to be brusque and rude, but it may seem that way because we're wasting too much energy on trivial nonsense. And that might be a judgment call. It probably is. But it's the energy that is the issue because you only have so much decision-making power. So if we're wasting our time thinking about something that somebody else should handle and should be delegated in the organization or deleted or not even worried about, then you major in the minors and you never want to major in the minors, right? You want to major in the majors. So refocusing team energy, I think, is a leadership skill. I'd love for your reflections on personal energy and how you help direct team energy. This made me, it made me think of a quote, and I had to go and look it up, and I'm probably going to murder the person's last name, but Alexander Denheyer, you often feel tired not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what sparks a light in you. And to me, that speaks to putting the work that you do around that boon, that purpose that you have, because that's what's going to give you the energy to keep going and get you in that flow state. Otherwise, we get sucked into the minutia, and we never work on getting to that point of achieving that goal, that dream. There was another D word, not with the four that Tammy mentioned, but drifting. It was funny because as I was listening to the interview, I wrote down drifting and then I swear 15 seconds later, you said it. So I was like, oh, look, I'm on the same page as Skip for <laughs> once. That's nice. We're uh, often on the yeah, same yeah, page. Yeah. But, the, but that sense of, are you just drifting along? Are you just letting life come at you? Are you just seeing what emails you get today? Or are you actually like purposefully taking charge of your day, your team, your actions, your, you know, which is it? And it doesn't mean you have to be on all the time. I mean, that's exhausting too in and of itself. But just, you know, being aware, is my team drifting right now? Are we just kind of, just kind of floating along? Yeah, so many times we come into meetings, particularly with intact teams, and there's an agenda and it's a typical agenda. And we just sort of, we get into the flow. You know, you think of a, of a slow stream. You just kind of get into the flow of yeah. it rather than putting the banks around it, as Skip often says, and saying, all right, we have X amount of time. What's the big question we need to wrestle with in this next 30 minutes? Or if we're looking at, you know, a business case or something, what's, what's the key issue? What's the decision that needs to be made? What's the purpose of our conversation? And, you know, you just, 
by a few good questions, you just sit up and start focusing in on what is this group's unique capability to make a difference on this particular item. Really good. And drifting, I think, if you look at this entire book and not being hacked and having your boon and being focused and purposeful and guarding against all these things and writing your own story, it's about that. And I also think as team leaders, guarding against drift is more important now than ever. I see this in the COVID days. It is far too easy to drift along. It is far too easy to be reactionary. And if you move to being reactive instead of proactive, you're not leading. So it's very important to know reacting well is not leading. It's being proactive and saying, I'm leading. I mean, sure, you should react well, but leading is taking the mountain in a different way, not waiting here and saying, where am I going to slide today? Oh, I'm sliding down this mountain. I need to get back to the base camp. That's not leading. You're not going to get to the top of Mount Everest that way, being reactionary. So you're not going to get to your success goals. You're not going to get to a business goal. You're not going to get to anywhere you want to go if you're just simply drifting away. But there are times when you may want to drift because you're enjoying the ride down the Mississippi and seeing the beautiful colors of the leaves, and you've decided to do that. Just make it very rare. Or in retirement, maybe. I don't know. On vacation. On vacation. You know, there are times that you want to drift. I'm really longing to drift, actually. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking this would be very nice to take some time and drift away or to drift off to sleep on a beach. So wherever you are in the world today, whatever time you're listening, you can imagine how wonderful it would be if you too could drift away and just enjoy a beach somewhere. But instead, you need to think about your boon. You need to think about your purpose. You need to think about what is motivating you, your deepest desire, your greatest ache, your truest longing. And are you and your team and your organization on the way to do that? Or are you in the way of doing that? And this is the key to reaching your goals, being unhackable. And that is the key to aiming higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.